I speak to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you long for the word of God? Not just long for it, but hunger for it. I'm not talking about waiting for a response to prayer or hearing a still small voice making clear what your calling is, though both of those matter, of course. I'm talking about hungering for the word of God that we have in scripture about longing to be so steeped in God's word that the word of God lives in you, guides you, matters as much, more even, than bread and water. Do you hunger for God's word? Do I? Does the church? Does our nation? Do we long for this word found in the Torah and the prophets, the letters of the New Testament and the four gospels? Do we long for the word of God in Jesus Christ? Moses and all of scripture promises that God's word is very near us in our mouths and in our hearts for us to observe. And if we listen to God's word and we walk in God's way, we will prosper. But so often, too often, we hear the word of God and then we go our own way. Hearing the commands to care for the widow and the orphan, to welcome the stranger, to forgive over and over again, to love God with all that we have and are, to love our neighbor, to love our enemy. And we nod knowingly in agreement but then come up with reasons why this one time or at this point in our lives or in certain situations the word just doesn't apply now to us. Sometimes we assume that the word is private meant only for daily devotion but not for our public lives, not meant to instruct us in our workplaces, in the ballot box, in our schools. We don't think the word is there to push us out, out into the streets, into the world to love justice and do mercy and to walk humbly with God. Our readings from the prophet Amos and the story of Mary and Martha are about longing, or not, for the word of God. They are about making the word of God central to our lives, or not. There's great judgment in these passages. Certainly Amos sounds threatening, frightening as he tells people that God's judgment is coming upon them, that this time God will not forgive. And Jesus sharply chastises Martha for being busy about the house rather than sitting at his feet like Mary. This isn't Advent, it's not even Lent. And yet here we are with passages of judgment, passages that I bet most of us would rather ignore. 
But Amos, Amos has caused to prophesy destruction to Israel. His vision today opens with a basket of summer fruit, the word for which in Hebrew sounds very close to the word for end. In other words, these people enjoying the fruits of the harvest have grown to the end of their time with God. They have gone from ripe to rotten. And why is that? Well, they have perverted the word of God. They have listened to, but not heeded it. They have perverted the worship of God, eagerly awaiting the end of religious observances and the Sabbath so they might return to cheating the poor by using scales that misrepresent the amount they are selling, overcharging and deceiving those who must buy from them. The entire economy is unjust, skewed so that the 1% get richer and the poor get poorer. The wealthy have all the advantage, throwing people into indentured servitude, buying the needy for a pair of flip-flops, Amos says. The Lord has grown so angry with his people, Israel, that was meant to be a light unto all nations, a model of a people in a covenantal relationship with God, called to align their lives with the word of God rather than with their own desires and greed. And instead, they've turned to false gods, setting up statues in their temple to the gods of wealth and war and sex. The people have gone their own way, not just personally, but as an entire economy. They have thought that by keeping to some proper worship, some personal piety, by trusting in the covenant God made with them, that they could get away with murder. But they forgot the word of God commanding justice for the poor demanding that those who have more than enough should leave their extra for those who have little. God now promises justice for those who have violated his word, wailing instead of dancing. The very land will tremble, the sky will go dark, an unjust economy yielding a devastated ecology. And the worst of it, the worst of it is not the sackcloth, or the baldness, or the mourning, but the famine. Famine, not famine of bread or thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the word of the Lord. The thing the people have taken for granted, the word of God, meaning, guidance, purpose, that will be taken from them. When they are in the very midst of devastation, they will not even have the word of God to sustain them. Then, then they will know what it means to hunger and thirst for the word, the presence of God. They had the word and ignored it. They grew further and further from the word as their economy became more and more unjust. How could they hear it? How could they hear the word? How could their imaginations, warped by injustice, fixated on material gain, indifferent to the poor, how could those minds even begin to remember the dream of God for a faithful people, a just and flourishing economy? Now, in no way does Martha deserve a judgment like the one of Israel, and nor does she get it. 
Yet she's in danger of losing sight of the word too. Her anxiety and distraction keep her from the word in Jesus, making her snappy and irritable, leading her not to hunger for the word so that it might shape her, but rather allowing anxiety and distraction to demand things be as she wants them to be. Still, though we might understand these two readings, all of this judgment sounds awfully harsh. It makes us uncomfortable. Amos is blatantly political, calling out an entire people for the behavior of their merchants and the neglect of their government. And it makes me wonder how his words land for us today. What is Amos's word for us as we experience a thriving economy with near record unemployment, yet so many struggle caught in debt, trapped in multiple low-wage jobs? As so many get caught up in a prison system that lays fine upon fine upon them so that many in our jails are caught in a modern-day debtor's prison. As we have yet to reckon with generations of racism and its economic effect. As strangers to our country are locked up in cages, children and parents separated, denied showers and toothbrushes. Do we hunger for the word of the Lord? Can we hear it, really hear it in this time? The judgment sounds harsh, but as one commentator asks, if we ignore the word God has set before us, what more can God do for us? If we ignore the word God has set before us, what more can God do for us? The Israelites have ignored the word of God, perverted it. Given this stark warning that God can and will remove God's word, God's self from his people, when they choose to worship idols to their own desire, to pursue their own gain at the expense of the poor, Jesus provides a brisk reminder to Martha, just as he has to other disciples, that the most important thing, the righteous thing, is to focus all our attention on the word which now is Jesus among them. Pay attention to the word. Pay attention to the word because it, he, will, should guide our whole lives from our rising up to our lying down, from our worship on Sunday to our work on Monday to our voting on Tuesday to our recreation on Saturday. Israel in Amos' time is the warning of what happens when a people go their own way, imagine that they will always be in the good graces of God, no matter how unjust they or their society are. Martha and all of us must take notice. Do we hunger for the word of God? Do we hunger so much for it that we live it out in our lives, in our nation, 
or will we only long for, hunger for the word of the Lord when it becomes lost beneath the shouts on the floor of the stock market, beneath the ads enticing us to buy more and more, never mind the wages of the workers who made the goods, never mind the cost to the natural world. Will we only long for, hunger for, the word, once it's become impossible to hear? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.